Hello and welcome to 100 Women in Insurance podcast. My name is Sandra Lewin and I am your host. I'm on the mission to make insurance a career choice, not a chance. Together with my amazing guests, we are sharing our career stories, tips and much more and hope to inspire to join and remain in insurance. The industry is changing, so it couldn't be a better time to showcase the fantastic women across the insurance market. Let's jump into today's episode. Hello, Caroline. Welcome to 100 Women in Insurance podcast. I'm very glad to have you. For those who don't know Caroline, it's Caroline Bedford, Chief Executive of EDI, home of Digital Minds, helping insurance and business professionals understand how innovation, design thinking and entrepreneurship can help them with to future proof. You are the go-to person for innovation. That's how I see it, basically, in the in this market. I'll take that. I'll help you with that. (laughs) Brilliant. And, you know, I've been very privileged to have you alongside my entrepreneurship journey. You've been so kind in mentoring me along the way, which I really appreciated it. Not at all. I I love working with talented people. Thank you. And you've also been featured in the 50 Over 50 um, initiative, which is just such an incredible initiative. So um, we'll hopefully touch on that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really, um, I'm really proud of the work that the industry is doing to promote um, older, the value of older people, especially because I am one. <laughs> That's no, I, I really like that initiative. And for those who haven't seen it, I'll put a link on it because I think it's, it's, it's very good. So we always start this, but well, I always start this podcast with a question: career and insurance. Was that a choice or a chance? And tell us a little bit more about your journey to where you are right now. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks for having me. Um, it's a brilliant initiative, and I'm I'm delighted to be within your hundred women that you will uh, that you're interviewing on your podcast. And I know that that will grow into the thousands. You might have to change exactly. your name at some point, which I'll go on to about starting a business uh, in a second. But in in terms of of sort of my career journey, so I'm 53 now. Um, I started work straight from school um, in the late 80s, and um, our insurance wasn't. Uh, a designated pathway but technology was Mm. so um, I I would say that I'm a technologist first um, and I have chosen insurance to practice my specialism so um, in the late 80s um, I have always preferred to be one step behind the early adopters Um, I'm cautious by nature and I worked in an organization where Personal computing was just coming onto everybody's desk. Um, intranet wasn't a thing. Internet itself was just about, uh, you know, dial-ups, etc. Um, so I was really intrigued by that. What changes that that could make to working practices then? Um, and I, I made that my mission to really sort of understand um, how the changes in in connectivity were going to bring regional offices together we're going to help streamline departments business units and processes um one of my first roles working for a software company was implementing being part of the implementation team for a policy administration system for a lloyd syndicate Um, and this was this was in the early 90s so that was how i started to use my analytical and, and computer consulting capabilities um, the world of Lloyd's and insurance was really alien to me. Um, 
managing agents seemed very complex. This was mm. back in the day, obviously, when syndicates had names, um, individual names. Um, so I was intrigued by what this world of tradition, culture, and change embodied. Yes. Um, so I chose to use my technical career um to focus on how that sector is evolving and it's in, it, it, it must be quite an interesting journey to see how much it has changed because we there's always a sort of this connection around oh we're not changing fast enough and uh, there isn't enough change going on but actually if you think um you know i i started in insurance of 15 years ago you started a longer period of time i've seen a lot of change and and you would have seen as well we kind of forget that you know, just about 30 years ago, something 20 years ago, the internet wasn't really a thing. The paper was, you know, I remember when I started 15 years ago, claims um, adjusted will go around with these big suitcases with all the paper printed and dropped it off every day to BXC. That's really not long ago. So um, kind of where we started or where we are now, we are moving along. <laughs> There's massive change that's happened. Mm. Absolutely enormous change that's happened. Um, and I, I, you know, I'm often sometimes feel that I can be a bit of a loin, lone voice um, when people are berating the insurance industry, specialty insurance industry mm. in particular, for its slow pace of change. Um, but there has been enormous inroads. Um, and, you know, we mustn't forget that we are um, a lot of the business that we do is, is done by consensus, done by subscription. Um, so there's a lot of relationships across that value chain. And when the more moving parts that you have in a process, mm. the the slower it is going to be yeah. to be able to adapt it. So um, I don't feel that's surprising at all. Mm. And I do see that there is a lot that we should be proud of. Yeah, I agree. So start to technology. So you've chosen sort of your um, knowledge and then you chose the industry to bring that knowledge to. Um, and then you sort of gone on into a variety of roles. Um, so sort of talk, talk me through how you got to where you are now being a business owner and what was that journey like? Yeah, well, I've always been ambitious, um, always been driven, um, always wanted to, uh, to, to, to be able to make a difference and have influence. Um, and as you go, that's a great thing about insurance, actually. Uh, you know, there are lots and lots of opportunities. So it's, you know, you don't just find yourself in an organization and stuck in the role that you joined in. Mm. Um, if you exhibit talent, passion, um, and skill and capability, then there will be opportunities there for you. So throughout my career, um, I have worked for technology companies, I have worked for insurers, um, and um, I was part of the acquisition team when DXC was acquiring exchanging a few years ago yeah. um so as part of that process um so i was i worked for the global dxc uh, as part of that process i recognized that to bring a traditional organization like exchanging together with dxc its global capabilities and its clients that was going to take a cultural change mm. uh, as well as a as a, a physical change um so that's when i uh, started to think about the changes that were happening in the insurance industry that were common and relevant so you know the the 
Lloyd's doing the then the LM Tom their change program um and at the time there was a lot of focus on innovation and it was seemingly age related they were under 35s you know Mm. sort of power groups with a ceiling of age and my motto has always been you cannot be inclusive by being exclusive so that sort of limit of saying we're going to we're going to ask the under 35s what um what their focus is i was thinking well actually that's excluding a whole you know a whole host of decades of experience and really you should you should broaden your horizons Mm. um so i lobbied dxe um to bring together people who were change makers in the innovation and insurance world of any age Mm. um and that's how Digital Minds first started. Right. Uh, this was 2016. That grew and grew and grew. Um, and we formalized that into uh, a learning and development program um, for people in the industry who wanted to add generalist and emerging technology entrepreneurial capabilities to their specialisms, um, which led me ultimately to having a very amicable departure uh, with DXE and creating Eddy um, three years ago now. Wow, it's been three years already. That's amazing, isn't it? It's, yeah. It has. What a, what a great journey. And I think that's, I often talk about on a podcast and one of the key missions of it is to really highlight the variety of roles and career paths that you can take. It's not sort of one way. There's so much you can do. And it's interesting. Technology has always been kind of at the at the core and change and innovation but you've you have changed along the way um the journey and now you're a business owner which again absolutely incredible um in your in definition of ed and you've mentioned that word as well entrepreneurship what, yeah. I haven't actually heard that terminology. <laughs> Could you explain that a little bit more? It, yeah, so it's a, it, it essentially encapsulates all the skills that an entrepreneur might have. Mm. So, you know, somebody that uh, is pitching on Dragon's Den, um, but an entrepreneur is somebody who has that passion for change, creating new solutions, driving uh, cultural differences within their, but, but they do it within an organisation. So they're employed by a company. Um, and uh, and may well almost always have uh, a, a primary role within that organization, but they also exhibit those skills that are going to help that organization move forward. Oh, fantastic. That's a really, I like that terminology. And that's, that's again, an interesting path. So if someone is saying, I kind of feel like I want this entrepreneurial uh, journey, there is an alternative. And, and if you have a company that supports that, um, there are ways for you to to kind of use that skills, which which is brilliant. With the entrepreneurial roles, uh, you know, it, it's in a company's interest to be able to mm-hmm. um, to cultivate that those kind of passions and capabilities in their staff, um, and to really nurture that. Uh, as I said, you know, I, I I don't see any specific job applications um, you know, for, from organisations seeking to employ an entrepreneur. Um, however, I do now see that in terms of people's development programs, mm. creativity, authenticity, curiosity, those type of mindset and behaviours are, are now, uh, you know, being welcomed uh, and expected in many cases. And those are all attributes that 
people who work for organizations can also share with entrepreneurs who who work for themselves and take the risks that are associated with that. It's a very good point and a good way of thinking about the skill set that you may have and how you can diversify yourself actually already within an organization, which I think it's a it's a it's a different way to position yourself. I mean, being a business owner, you probably hold so many skills and you hold so many roles. Um, I always ask guests to explain in very simple terms, you know, what is your job and what your day to day looks like. So thinking of like a, a TikTok of my day to day. Um, but I appreciate your role may be slightly different to a typical role in a in a corporation. Um, but thinking from the point of skill set, thinking of the point of what it's like to be a business owner, if someone is considering that path, could you talk a little bit more about your day to day and the skills yeah, that you absolutely. use? Yeah, absolutely. One of my specialist passions is is the rise of the generalist. Mm. Um, some of some of your listeners may have seen uh, some of the work that I've done on that topic, um, and and this is something that's really helped propel me through my career. And once I recognised the uh, the value that comes with having those generalist capabilities, it kind of freed me mm. from some of the the sort of anchors that held me back in the past where I I felt that you you know to be able to succeed you needed to have deep 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 specialisms in in really just you know one specific area um so since I um you know did research and uh and have started to really take um well ironically a deep dive into the role of the generalist (laughs) um that kind of led me to understand that firstly the type of capabilities that everybody in industry needs now is is no longer just that vertical career path but also the horizontal um but it also stood me in good stead for the role of a ceo Mm. because today's ceo obviously has to have that knowledge and expertise of the business sector that they're in but they absolutely need to have generalist capabilities Mm. because you have to have fingers in every pie from you know across the entire value chain um business development operations strategy uh deliverables product development um all of you know, and and many 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 more mm. um so to be a to be a business owner to be a ceo um you really have to be comfortable with having lots of different things on the go having passion and motivation for things that really don't necessarily float your boat um and to also importantly you know when you're having down days and when you're weighed down by uh, you know uh, the the routine or the the frustrations of running a business you have to motivate and put your staff first um Ooh. so there's you know, there's a there's a lot of um really focusing on how to support your your staff and your team and put your own needs to one side as a priority yeah it's a it's a very valuable point I, i'm a big fan of the generalist um movement let's call it um, and i'm really enjoying the the information that you do share um but it's a it's a good point around being a business owner you it is juggling constantly quite a lot of stuff but i do like the fact that they will have tough days and they do come it's not all shiny and, and amazing and when you have a team you are still 
the front of the business of motivating and moving forward. I, I never sort of thought, thought about it or heard someone say about it that way, which is a very important skill to have that human connection and being able to self-motivate yeah. isn't it i think it's what i think it, well, it's what makes a good leader mm. you know yes we share challenges and frustrations um and you know when they're you know we, we need to drive the business forward so when there's obstacles in that way mm. um you absolutely don't gloss over them but equally you know as a business leader um founder business owner whichever your role may be you know you're the difference being in terms of a corporate organization uh you know many of us in a corporate in a corporate world have got budgets and we've got targets that we need to make and we've got you know roles we've got responsibilities uh, and accountability but if we don't make our numbers for a quarter it doesn't mean people aren't going to get paid if that happens in your own organization then there are serious repercussions mm. so there is there is a lot more <laughs> reality biting um when you are uh, you know w when you uh, uh, when you run a business that employs people um because there you know there's reality um that happens if if things aren't aren't going according to plan that's very true so what advice would you like is is so pause one more time <laughs> um what is the best piece of advice you've been given that you hold dearly? And if you don't have one, then what's the best advice you do give? So kind of always say the same advice, because again, you hold it very yeah. dearly. I'm mean, really lucky and I, you know, I've got a really great group of, of uh, trusted um, colleagues, connections, associates, friends, who who mentor me and I you know mentor them and I value that um so I'm really you know I would and my my fabulous friend Catherine Bryant will always say don't wait till you need a network to build one um so, <laughs> so um I think I first heard that from Catherine five or six years ago and it's so true you mm. know make sure that you connect with people on an authentic level so you can draw on them uh when the time comes nobody <laughs> what we've all got that friend haven't we that only messages us when they yes. want something and <laughs> yeah. what do we think about that person they're not at the top of our list are they <laughs> so yeah so don't wait till you need somebody to build that connection but in terms of in terms of being a business owner uh or moving from a corporate mm. to your own business you know seeking investment and all of those sorts of things um I'm not sure if it's advice, but it was a phrase that I heard somewhere um, and it stuck with me and it's something that we share with our delegates in Eddie and some of the programs that we run. And, it, and it's when you're evaluating a business proposition and it goes something like just because there's a gap in the market doesn't mean there's a market in the gap. Mm. And we use that a lot because what that means is you might think that you've got a great idea that will sell. And that will be, you know, will come off the shelves like hotcakes. However, if there was a great idea that was going to sell, that would, you know, sell like hotcakes, maybe somebody else would already have done it. So the advice that I always give to people is really do your research, put your business plan in place first before you seek to leave the comfort of your monthly salary, your mm. private health insurance, your great pension. Uh, you know, all of those things that come with you. Um, don't think that 
you can don't think that because something works within an, a corporate organization that it will work outside of it yeah because when you're in a when, when you're in a big insurer or broker you've got that insurer or broker's name mm-hmm. a lot of your connections are connected with you because of the brand that you're associated with yeah. uh, and this is why you need your own authenticity your own brand mm-hmm. people to know you for you because mm-hmm. once you leave that comfort zone of that ivory tower you're going to be stood on your own and people will see you through a different lens that's a very good advice and then that personal brand piece i think it's a it's a topic that's coming up more and more where people start to appreciate the kind of the power of building their own name and i've i've i often talk about the advice that was given when I started in insurance is the the logo behind you may change in the future and the logo always helps you through the door but actually it's you and your name that will matter and will get you those opportunities and and it's exactly as you said if you are thinking of stepping outside of the corporate world if you're thinking of being innovative in any way um think very carefully I really like that that's a very very good very good piece of advice um I mean, thinking about talent, and um, there is a lot of work being done about attracting talent. We know we have a challenge around the pipeline, but I feel like there's a there's a, the needle has moved a little bit. There's a lot of great work being done. Um, I want I I do question, however, how much work has been done with talent already in the market. We know we lose, especially when it comes to women. We do lose quite a, a large number of women, and sort of. Um, Thing is that between 30s and 40s um, uh, to the various life cycle events. Um, innovation, I, I remember attending an event uh, that you spoke at, um, I think Catherine was there as well, and there was something around innovation which for me really stood out. Innovation, we always think it has to be something like, I don't know, self-driving cars or, you know, something massive spaceship yeah. or whatever. And actually you, you brought it right back and you said innovation can be very day-to-day activity absolutely what role do you think innovation can play in organizations to retain the talent and and focus on that talent retention and and attraction but but mainly retention well it's exciting isn't it you know it's something that is engaging Mm. so in, in our you know any industry i'm sure has its routine work um but innovation can be engaging it can be rewarding uh, and it's collaborative. So all of those type of activities, if when they're centered around solving a real problem, mm. and that's the key here, are we actually solving a need or are we just playing with a shiny new toy? Um, if we're creating something that's engaging and rewarding to do and actually improves the status quo, what's not to like about that? Mm. What we find is um, it's really important to 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 have tenacity so at eddie we have the we have a 40s framework so it's about themes uh the things being why why do we need to change um the techniques how do we need to change mm. the talent who do we need to change and tenacity what's going to what's going to keep us going what techniques do we need to put in place because this is not going to happen overnight so it's really important to be prepared for the changes that you're going to make in your people mm. um because you are going to upskill people. You are going to open their mind to be appropriately challenging, Mm. to be more curious, Mm. to want to be more involved. 
So you can't pay lip service to this topic and give people the opportunity to develop these skills and then have nowhere for them to use them and to continue to cultivate them. That's where dissatisfaction mm. and disengagement happens. So it, it's, it's really important that, yes, you take the first step of investing in your staff. And as you said, people who are already with you at all levels and all ages. Yes. But once you have invested in creating these newfound capabilities or additional capabilities, give them an outlet mm. because otherwise you're just investing in people who are going to be frustrated, disengaged, and they're going to look elsewhere. I mean, that's such a good point because the amount of times, you know, you kind of are put on a course or put on something just so it, uh, part of my explanation, but so you keep quiet. So it seems like you're doing yes. something right. Uh, but then you finish it, you kind of wake up to going, oh, actually, I'm good at this. I can do this. And you have nowhere to use it with an You've organization. Not, yeah, exactly. There's no mm. outlet for those capabilities. So mm. one of the, that, that's why with our four T's, the tenacity is about putting those processes in place that has an outlet for the, for people to, to use their skills to value the organization yeah. and to let them feel that they're rewarded and, and recognized. Yeah. Yeah. And in, with a lot of the guests that I speak to, Ron kind of concludes that insurance is all about human connection and it's all about building the networks. And we've touched on building the personal brand and the importance of it. You have a, um, what I would consider a large following on LinkedIn of 6,000 people. How has um, social media, how has building a personal brand played a role for you in building your own business? Well, it links back to what I'd said before about, and you, you touched on, that when you work for a big name, mm. people will often engage you because of that big name. Yeah. You have got to, if you wish to then go out on your own, you have lost the, the, the golden shield uh, that is going to make people gravitate towards you. Mm. Um, so even when you work for that big name, it's important that people see you as Caroline or Sandra mm. um, or Priyesh or who, you know, whoever you may be and not, you know, one of those, one of those big brands. So mm. um, social media in particular, LinkedIn for, for me uh, has proved invaluable to be able to demonstrate, uh, to build a community um, and also to demonstrate, you know, what I'm interested in, what value I think I can bring. But it's it's two way. It's about engaging in that community as well. It's not just about putting information out there about me and listen to this topic. It's about engaging in uh, what your connections are doing, um, participating in in questions and debates that they might bring up participating appropriately i will say yes um i i always i'm you know really mindful with linkedin that there is a big audience on there mm. you've got to be very careful about how you respond and who you respond to mm -hmm. but ultimately you know if you're consistent if you stay engaged um and you are authentic people will start to recognize that with with you as a person which will help you develop your consistent personal brand agree i think that's a i i've learned over time that 
when you are on social media, you can get carried away writing things because you're just kind of sitting in your pajamas on your own and on a sofa. Um, my, my always kind of a, a check before I click send is if someone comes up to me in the city and goes, oh, I saw you comment this and they quote what I said, am I comfortable with it? And um, that's a, I always find that being a very good check of actually maybe I'm not. <laughs> um, so. I, I completely agree. I have a personal rule. Um, I'm sure there's the odd exception, but I never blink use LinkedIn to respond in the evenings. Hmm. I always put it as a, it's a work to, I need to, because I, you know, because I am authentic at work, um, I'm able to, to say um, it's a work task, so to mm -hmm. speak, because it's part of my persona. Um, but I don't want to, you know, because it, because you are portraying yourself and your business, I don't want to be tired. I don't want to be grouchy. I don't mm. want to have had a bad day. I want to be considered in my engagement and interactions. Uh, and therefore, my personal rule is browse, but don't respond uh, outside of working hours. I love that. That's a, that's a very good rule. That's a very good rule. And I think quite a few of us could, could use that rule. <laughs> um, so I've really enjoyed our conversation. I always close this um, podcast with a question of what have you experienced? What is sort of the best thing you've experienced? thanks to being in insurance that you think you otherwise wouldn't have been able to? Um, so many things. Um, number one, I've got some lifelong friends mm -hmm. um, that, are, that, that I have, you know, have, have met over the decades and even still, you know, more, more recently um, who are like-minded, who are passionate about the industry uh, and also passionate about us as people. Mm. Um, however, if we're looking at that sort of more surface level things that made, of course, you know, I've, I've, I've spent years and years traveling to some fabulous places. Mm. Uh, the insurance industry, of course, has, you know, Bermuda, Singapore, the States, Australia, Canada, Guernsey, Channel Islands, goodness me, all of those sort of places. Um, I'm fortunate enough to travel back in the day where expense accounts were better than they are now as well. <laughs> <laughs> so those were happy days. Um, but ultimately, just the opportunity to feel anchored in a sector, so comfortable mm. in that sector, but have the opportunity to try new things, to explore new things, and to be surrounded by a network of brilliant people who are happy to support me and want me to succeed in those things. Thank you. That's a, that's a brilliant experience and a great way to summarise. I think that is, is the core of insurance. Once you're in it, you can do so much with it, um, and it gives you that great base home uh, to then explore other opportunities well thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure um having you on this podcast you're so welcome and love um, chatting to you sandra same here and i i look forward to following eddie's journey in the next three five and ten year anniversary and so on <laughs> i'll be in the over 60 group by then and let me we better do 60 over 60 from that campaign i don't see why not i, I don't see, <laughs> see why not thank you so much thank you for listening to today's episode help us spread the word by following us on linkedin and tiktok at 100 women in insurance rate our podcast and share it on your social media platforms Remember, this is a podcast for you, so your opinion matters to us. If you have any recommendations or comments, 
please get in touch through our social media. We'll love to hear from you. See you in our next episode. <laughs>